0: morning project presents
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the generic video game podcast molly and i are back from our 100 plus day hiatus episode 37 isn't just a virtual reality it's about to become actual reality as we are set to record so much has happened in the world of gaming all the way to our personal lives and more over the past four months yet we are thrilled to be back and very grateful to our fans who still have us in your podcast feed and continue to tune in. How's everything going on your end, Molly?
2: I, I know like this is a broken record now with me explaining why we take these big breaks. Um, but like we we seriously had planned to do a show like coming out of E three and literally coming out of E three. Um I, I don't know how much I can say about it, but there was a situation with work where uh we were going to launch a new website, and the new website didn't exist. Um, and so somebody, uh, myself, had to, had to step in and make sure it existed. So, yeah, I kind of had, like, that huge project thrown to my lap. And it ended up being a good thing in the end, you know. But that, like, took a lot of time. Uh, this is like, a major priority for me. And then as soon as that got over, um, I ended up moving out of L.A. So... It's been a little bit of a busy two months and now things are finally getting kind of
1: settled again. Wow. So that's uh, this is your second escape from LA, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, cuz you know back in the game fan days, I did live out there and lived out there for only two years at that point. I uh, absolutely hated it. But the thing about like being in LA the first time was so for people who are in LA, you'll understand this is I lived out in Thousand Oaks, which Thousand Oaks is Technically, you can see L.A. in the distance, but it's kind of up the coast just enough to kind of be outside of L.A. Um, And you're you're technically, I would say, maybe 15 to 10 minutes, if traffic's really good, away from getting to L.A. proper. But the thing is, once you get to L.A. proper, you're still in, like, the upper northwestern outskirts of L.A., And there's just nothing there for a while until you get through the valley. So, it was kind of a situation where, especially since I was living there and had no car, and my roommate had no car, so we had nowhere to go anywhere. It's, it's, I mean, think about being stuck in, like, the suburbiest suburbs, and you have no transportation. So, the only... This is way back before Uber and Lyft and everything, and... um. You know, the only thing you have is just what's in your immediate area. So, like, I hated L.A. because just I was stuck in a place where I couldn't go anywhere and we had not much around us. Um, But this time again, this this time it was 10 years and better experience. But still, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of L.A. So now we're we're not there
1: anymore. And originally you were there in L.A. in 95, correct, from answering the ad within Game Fan Magazine? Uh,
2: So I ended up getting there in 96. Okay. Yeah, because the ad thing that and- came out early... Because ni- I was there in 96, 98. Because um, the ad came out early 96. And then I talked to uh East Storm himself in yes. June of 96. And they finally flew me out there in August of 96. And so then I lived there for two years.
1: Now, okay, and I know you told us the story probably ad nauseum and I need to listen better. But... I know you were with the original game fan tenure till the end, which was around uh, December of 2000. Yeah. So this is where I'm confused again. So if you were there 96 to 98, where were you 98 to 2000?
2: So 98, I moved back home uh, because that was the point where the big split happened.
1: Okay, this is when. And all jokes aside, E Storm, Dave Halverson, This is when yeah. he left to do Gamers Republic. Public. Yeah, and so, then correct me if I'm wrong. Did Casey and Nick leave for Versus around the same time?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't know that either of them actually worked for Republic. I don't know if Casey. I don't think so. Yeah, because and I, I and they hadn't been around for a little bit, so I think they actually left. Um, at least Nick, I think left a little bit before the split happened.
1: Not to keep cutting you off, you know, it's so amazing. Not to get sidetracked on this, you know, I have certain memories and I followed that magazine from 92 to 2000, right? And I was pretty, you know, I was younger at the time and I didn't know the intricacies like I do now from individual like look, in each respective magazine you had real names and then you had avatars, but you know, unless you're in that in the in that field or in that office, you really don't know as a reader putting two to two two and two together all the time. Right. But my point is is like it's funny how the mind works because I think a big the big players at Game Fan like definitely Dave Halverson, Terry Wolfinger, Lindquist, you, you know Takui, Nick Rocks, um, uh, Kay Kuboki, right? Th- those are some of the big names that come to mind. Mm-hmm. But when you look back at it, with the exception of like you and Terry, because Terry was there the whole time. But when you look at a lot of the other people their 10 years there really weren't incredibly long. Yeah, and
2: and uh, so I, I think I have talked about this before, but just real quick. So when I came in, it was a really interesting time because it was almost like a reshuffling of the staff. And I think the reason for part of that was because I believe that was around the time when Fan was launching. Like it either had launched or was gonna launch, so I know that when I got into the office, there was like the there was literally the mega fan side of the office and the game wow. fan side of the office, yeah, um, and so I think what happened was you know they needed people to move over, so they were bringing in people to the game fan side, and it was what we ended up calling like the British invasion because they suddenly just brought in a number of people from British publications you know from from over in England. Uh, you had like Dave Hodgson and, um, Gary Harrod. And then a, a good friend of mine who, uh, Dan Jevons. And then a little bit later on Bryn, Bryn Williams. Um, so when I came in, I came in as this kind of new group was, was coming in. And so it was funny because my closest friends there were, if you know the magazine at all, um, uh, it was Substance D, which which was um, Mike Hobbs. It was Glitched, which was Mike Griffin, and it was Nightmare, which is which is Dan Jevons. Because those were they were also starting at the same time I was starting, and we were all kind of the same like lower rung, um, you know, versus the kind of at-shot Brits that they had just brought in, and versus the more veteran writers that had been there for a while. Uh so it was kind of like an interesting turnover point when I came in that there was this big kind of refresh in, in in the staff in terms of the magazine.
1: May may I ask you another question about this that I've never asked yep. before? Yeah. Why were so many Brits interested in Game GameFan and let me clarify did they relocate from the UK or did Yes. Okay, so and, now okay. And and
2: to the point the point I mean it was funny because they actually they actually weren't here legally per se um they would come over on i think i think literally they'd come over on visitor visas and then have to go back and then come back over was sometimes. this
1: truly because they were overseas fans of game fan and had a dream of of uh writing
2: no i no 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 because these are people who were, were from uk magazines from game magazines and i think the way it worked was we that because of that they were already kind of coming in when i was when i was hired um i think it was the case of like okay so you know one person gets hired right and then they said, well, I know we're looking for more writers. I know such and such at this magazine.
1: You know, you should really? bring him over.
2: And so I think they kind of brought a few of them, them you know, over
1: like friends and, and acquaintances and stuff. But and that, but are we saying things like, and I only know this present day because I didn't know this at the time. Are we talking, did these people work for gaming publications over there like i'm guessing yeah. like like super play or edge or any Yeah, of i'm that. not
2: sure which one's exactly they worked at but they because, they were people who had experience kind of in in that side of things.
1: That's a See that's interesting cuz there's so many game fan stories out there and people who have been inspired, you know, into japanese culture and gaming that so many stories have been told. But i don't think there's really ever been a story told about the uk influence or the why from those people. Well, i people. mean yeah,
2: but i mean the uh, the thing is like where you really see this is is not until Gamer's Republic. Like, that was the point where Gamer's Republic was super European-influenced. Mm. So, kind of when that split happened, and for anybody who doesn't know, um, so Game Fan Magazine, at a certain point in 1998, um, the guy, one one of the guys who originally started it, Dave Halverson, he decides to break off and started a new magazine and he takes kind of like half the staff. And he basically had all of us to his house and we we're like, he, you know, well, most of us to his house. And he was like, you know, whoever wants to come with me can come with me. Um, and so when they split off, uh, a number of the Brits went with him. Wow. And then that's kind of where the influence of the Cambridge Republic came from. But it was a very, very like British magazine influenced publication. Mm. Uh and then a number of those Brits went off to work on that really interesting insight magazine, if you remember that. They lasted for like seven issues. And it was always like, here's the rock playing wrestling games.
1: Really? I don't or I'd have to see like, it. I bet if like, I saw it. Yeah,
2: here, it was it was very, very like celebrity focused. They'd really? like celebrity to come in and do different things.
1: Wow. I always find that stuff interesting, and not to I know I took you on that long side road, but we originally got on this from your first tenure there was ninety six to ninety eight and then you went and back then, and home. then yeah
2: so th- so then so then okay, the split happens, and um, I ended up staying with game fan because i and just just being honest here, and this isn't anything about against Dave or 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 Nick or Casey, you know who are, are still close friends of mine, but when they had all been there, like for example, one thing was I really wanted to work more on anime fan, which was uh-huh. game fans' anime section. Uh-huh. Um, I had a lot of ideas for that, like how I thought we could make it better and what we could do with it and this and that. And as long as they were all there, I knew I could never do much with it. You know, there was always like a certain limit to what I would have a chance to do because. Those people were already established, had already been here for years, and already kind of had their foothold on these certain sections.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely not a disrespect. You're saying almost a hierarchy of sorts, or paying dues, like the level they were at due to their tenure, their seniority, left only so much for you to do, unless a spot right. opened up.
2: Yeah, because just like I mean, just like so, it was either they had to leave or they had to get bored
0: hmm.
2: before someone like me had a chance. Hmm. So when this happens. All of a sudden dave's gone casey's gone nick's gone uh ryan lockhart is gone you know a lot of these these guys who were big shots in terms of either the anime section or the japanese gaming stuff they were just suddenly gone wow and so i told myself if i go to Gamers republic i maybe have a chance to do this stuff if i stay at game fan I definitely have a chance to. And it was literally like, if I say game fan, anime fan can be my section, you right. know, and I can now do Neo Geo reviews and I can be one of the Neo people on staff. You know, I can be one of the S&T people on staff. I can be one of the Japanese gaming people on staff. And so I had that chance to kind of step into those roles that I just never would have had if that split hadn't happened. Hmm. So that's why I it was game fan. And then of course, both Game Fan and Games Republic both died around the same time, I think. So
1: I liked them both too. I think Republic lasted about thirty-five issues, something like that. Uh, I think Game. I think Republic was around a, bit, a little bit after Game Fan, and then, uh, as we know, around O two, first quarter two or something like that. Then we got to Play Magazine finally.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But um, with that being said, back, back on talking about you. Nine. Uh, so finished up with Game Fan in two thousand. You'd already left LA. Now correct me if I'm wrong. You went during that time period. Is that when you went to Osaka?
2: Yeah. So uh, two thousand one was my first short trip, and two thousand two is when I actually enrolled in 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 college over there.
1: Now, when I know you, because you've told us in the past, you were there about four or five years. Correct?
2: It was. It was. A, it was a, not quite that long, but it was. It was a. a a a decent amount of time
1: when did when did you come back to la for the second time what year was that
2: that was 2008 like literally the very very end
1: damn time flies
2: yeah i know it's crazy because i am um because i got hired on to play in fall of oh five
1: so that's about mid two, three, four, five, six, eight. Yeah, oh, that's a no. It's but yeah. So that's a good tenure. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, they started O two, so a couple years in. Right.
2: Yeah. And so it was kind of the thing where, like, once I got hired, they were like, "Well, we want to bring you out to L A., but we're not ready to just yet. So just kind of hang out." And so I, I was in a position where I thought I was going to be moving to L A. sooner. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of very temporary in 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 my place in life. Um where I was living, and then in 2008, they're finally like, okay, we're ready to have you out
1: here. <laughs> so, God, so, how things change so fast.
2: So it's funny, so like, so for three years, they're like, we're going to bring you out, we're going to bring yeah, you out. Yeah. But they're fine. like, okay, move out here, we're ready for you. I move out there, and literally a year later, they,
1: they close. <laughs> that had to be scary, right? I mean, all jokes aside, was that scary at the time? I mean, I know yeah, you're talented. I mean,
2: yeah, and it was kind of the case where, like, you know, since I literally have been out there for such a short time, yeah, part of me was like, you know, maybe I just moved back like' cause i had I had no real attachment to l a yet, and it wasn't like I had been there long enough, mm-hmm. you know, so I could say, you know what I went out there, I tried it. it, didn't work coming back, you know, um and I kind of was seriously thinking, you know about moving us back to to my hometown, but then that's when. So Brady Fichter, who had worked at Play Magazine and he was the editor in chief kinda of at the end of the it's I life. loved his
1: work. Yeah, I never bring yeah. him up, but I loved his work.
2: Yeah. Uh he had moved over and helped basically relaunch EGM.
1: That's right. I've yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, going off memory, they relaunched around oh nine with that reuse Street Fighter Four cover.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was if it was nine or ten. And is when st- exactly what year. But yeah, that that was the first issue they brought back. And that's when Steve Harris uh, got got it back? Right. Steve Harris, the guy who'd originally started the EGM, he bought the rights to it back. I, I know it sounds like a broken record. It I died. I, I,
1: can you believe that that was 10, almost 10 years ago?
2: I know. It's... it's no, I can't. But.
1: Because when I think of the EGM relaunch in my head, I'm like, oh, that's not... Lo- like, that's the second era. Like, that's right. not that long ago. That's a... That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay, so
2: so the funny part about all this, right, is yeah. when I was a, when I was a child, the two magazines I read most were EGM and GameFan. And, and then I had worked at GameFan, and then I would end up going on to work at EGM, and then, you know, I talk to... I hear the stories of, like, you know, Steve Harris knew Dave Alverson. Right, right. And they worked with each other, and, like, they worked with each other on getting GameFan launched... And then there was this huge falling out between the two, and and so it's just so funny that I've not only worked at the two magazines that I read most as a kid, but, but there is this weird interconnection between the two, and the fact that um <laughs> as as <laughs> so this is a funny story. So back in the in the EGM days, like the original EGM days there was a magazine called EGM two.
1: Yep.
2: For anybody who doesn't know, yes. it was basically the kind of like the strategy guide version. And so I think what they wanted to do is, is in Japan, you know, EGM was, was really based around the Japanese magazine Famitsu.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. And I, in in Japan Famitsu is published weekly. Hmm. And I think there was this kind of like, we want to be cool like that and have a magazine coming out more than, than, once a month. So with EGM2, you would have like every two weeks, there'd be a new EGM something. And so EGM2 is a more strategy guide thing, but it had some other kind of other content and they had uh, a fanzine section. And what's funny is at one point, they actually, the very first fanzine I ever made, they put in there and reviewed it, which I thought was awesome and got me connected to people and stuff like that. That was really cool. And then a while later, and this was, like, thinking back, it was so funny, but EGM2 reviewed Game Fan Magazine in their fanzine section.
0: Wow.
2: Basically calling it a fanzine and saying, like, it was unprofessional and all this kind of, like, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so that really pissed me off because I was a hardcore Game Fan fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I actually burned that copy of EGM 2 <laughs> and sent it back to EGM with a letter saying, like, how mm, mm, pissed off I was that they would right. do that to GameFan and stuff. And then at the point that I applied for a job at GameFan, I actually sent them a copy of the letter I had sent to EGM.
1: Oh, they must have loved that at the time, Yeah, right?
2: uh, Yeah, they did. They did. So... It's this is really funny just like interconnection between the two magazines and my having worked at both and so.
1: Well, it's funny and I'm I'm split in terms of like I love the professionalism of something like Next Gen or Modern Day Edge which is the complete opposite end of the spectrum but, but as we all know, you know, Game Fan being my favorite. You know, obviously in hindsight you can see that the difference, but you know, Game Fan would have never been what it was without that style or passion. Yeah, I, I, you know,
2: no, I mean, you know, like I miss it. I miss it. I, I, miss, I do too. I, I think there's just, a
1: place for there's a place for both. There's a place for the edges of the world, which I support. To this, you know, I buy and I, I, I subscribe to Retro Gamer out of the UK. There's definitely a spot for that. The professionalism, the work they put into it, but I also think there's a spot for the diehard, passionate. You know, as long as you can write and spell you know, right. put two sentences together, you know, as long as it's literate, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a spot for that because that's that's missing in some ways, you know. Yeah. But, um, well, shoot, that, uh, aside from memory lane, and we're going to bring this back to the UK again later, uh, we're going to do a shout-out, and for a future GBG episode, we'd like, there's a special guest we're going to try and have on, but before we get into that, um... So last time we recorded was uh, in April. So a lot's happened since then. Everything from uh, E3 to Gamescom to San Diego Comic-Con. We're about a month out from Tokyo Game Show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So many games have uh, released in that time. Uh, I don't know where you want to start. I, do you want to start on um, maybe one or two items that we've been playing lately? Do you want to start on... Something um, that's maybe polarizing, or you know, you want me to just kind of pick a shot here? We'll start yeah, with this yeah, kind just, of. I mean, I mean okay. There, I, so know, we'll, I know
2: there's like one big thing that I wanted to talk about closer to E three, but I still want to talk about. But okay. otherwise, I'm well, really open. So.
1: This uh, this topic, I don't know. You know, we're trying to spend too long on it, but uh, look, goes without saying. You know We're both huge fans of old-school Konami. Actually, shout out to the digital collections that have come out in recent months. This isn't where I was originally headed, but mm-hmm. Castlevania collection, I love it. The Contra Anniversary collection, I love it. Technically, there's a the Gradius collection out there as well. I have not gotten that one yet, but uh, kudos to, to those releases. But being big fans of Konami, uh, I'm a huge fan of Metal Gear over the years. Uh, as a matter of fact, today marks the fourth anniversary since the release of Metal Gear Solid 5, which I cannot mm. believe. I know, that's crazy to me. I cannot believe it. And speaking of that, we, there is a new project in development by Hideo Kojima since then, which we got to see more of in gameplay form at the recent uh, Gamescom out of Germany in Death stranding and i i don't know about this one
2: i'm so excited and the thing is is like the the weirder and dumber it looks the more excited i am for it
1: so uh, so i'll say this i am i welcome that it's unique and different because gaming needs that we we get on the show and we complain a lot Sequelitis, the originality of games from yesteryear when things were still fresh or those mid-range games which have only started to recently come back in certain capacities in recent years you know japan getting their foothold back again the last couple years which on the flip end of the spectrum there's another game i will start to gush about later on but so death stranding on one end i welcome it it's uniqueness it's weirdness because we need more chances taken but not to talk out of the other end of my mouth, damn it, Molly, forgive me, but there's also a limit to that as well, right? Like, I'll, you know, one end, I'm like, God, we need something different. We don't need, you know, another, you know, FPS cookie cutter military style game. or We don't need another Royale game right now. You know, we don't need to, re, you know, tread familiar water f- again and again, you know, God, please give us something with a big budget that's triple A quality, something you know to sink our teeth into that we haven't seen. And well, you know, Death Stranding may be fitting that portion of the bill, but damn, I mean, without me being vague, a couple years ago when they first showed that off, correct me if I'm wrong. They showed a bunch of different characters. They showed like a military type aspect. There was a lot of soldiers, a lot of things going on per se. Mm-hmm. But that demo they showed at Gamescom, like, if I was in charge and they're like, hey, this video we're going to cut, not cut together, this presentation we're going to show, do you want us to show it like this? I think I would have said no, because, I mean, look, there, there was a Hideo Kojima touch in that, you know, he, he likes to do quirky things. I'll give you an example. Metal Gear Solid 3. If you spin the analog stick, I don't, I think it's on the, on the, the item screen and then you go back to the game, Snake Vomits. Mm-hmm. Or you know, there's always something. There's a, he always does. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this. When Olga raises her hands in MGS two, you see the hair under her arms. He right. he does certain things that things that get you to talk, and things that are like uh, you know, kissing the uh, the idol posters in the lockers in MGS. Right? That's like a, these these little weird quirky things are Kojima touches. So this video starts with uh, uh, you know the main character urinating. Yep. Okay, so it gets a laugh out <laughs> of everybody. Okay, fine. It's totally fine. But like when it shows them like moving around and crawling around and it's like, I don't know. I th- am I wrong? I thought it was kind of barren. I don't think there was enough going on. At least for presentation purposes. It's not like you're sitting on a couch at home and, you know, exploring the area, taking your time. So I, I don't know how, you know, and, and then we need to talk about the characters shown Within this one area was the likeness of. <laughs> I was going to
2: ask you: Was 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 Jeff Keeley the the line where you just couldn't take it anymore?
1: <laughs> look, all jokes aside, I think what he's doing is great. And if look, if there was an opportunity like that for me, or hey, I'd be bragging about it. So not a knock on him. Um, but I, how did it come across to you? Like, I I still think. Look tgs is coming up they could have a blah bang them up trailer uh i also believe in you know not spoiling you know there's there is an aspect of not spoiling too much or giving too much away i respect that but damn molly i I don't think it showed enough okay but okay
2: now i'm not saying this is the case but let us remember that in showing off metal gear solid 2 Uh uh-huh Mm -hmm. and all of the depth of that game and everything, and you can go in the bar and shoot the bottles and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We were never ever shown the oil rig. At all. We were never shown two-thirds of that game. Like, I'm not saying this can be the case here, but this could potentially be one of those there is a huge chunk of this game that we just do not even know exists yet.
1: Okay, I'm going to meet you halfway on that because we talked about this privately, and I did think about that. I think that's an excellent point. The only argument I can kind of make is, don't you think they still could have made the trip? Don't you think it should have been a bit more spicy or a bit more like? Uh,
2: I see. I think I think they've shown too some, much. Even <sighs> I think they've shown way too much of this game. Wow like I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have shown a second of gameplay personally or if I would have I would have shown it in a way that you didn't understand anything about what you were seeing like I I I love the idea that of going into this game because I mean here's the thing that I that I would ask you what game okay get, get rid of indies right push indies aside because mm. indies indies Whatever, you know. When you get past the indie market, Mm -hmm. like, what game can exist in this day and age where you can buy it and seriously have no idea what you're getting? Because anything with any kind of a budget is overshown and overrevealed and there's screenshots and there's teasers and there's teaser trailers and teasers for the teasers and there's second trailers and fourth trailers and character reveal trailers and and gameplay in-depth trailers and this and that (laughs) and 800 screenshots and like there it's there is no big budget game at this point that has the Guts to just come out and have you not know what you're going to get. I, I tell you what, and, and, I, I, and I and I think this is the only chance you have of seeing something like that
1: for a long time. I didn't want to get into this game yet, and I don't have to start my my opinion on this yet. And this game would have still shown way more, so it doesn't quite fit what you're saying. But a game that was only officially announced. 6 months ago and released and yes there were some videos and one could tell it was deep you know action oriented and but there were questions in terms of how it would actually play out in terms of control astral chain Yeah but and I, I, I and I get what you're saying I'm not trying to, I, I get it like th- it's a little bit different because you know there's platinum action I think there's right. still some there were some question marks as to like you know, it's this just, just going to be another run, not run of the mill, but like, you know, what what is this going to do to separate itself? And the questions were like, can they really make this? I think that was more about making the concept work. You could see it play out a bit in the videos, but you, until you play it firsthand, you don't, you know, you don't know. Uh, I understand Death Stranding is completely ground up, unique, but like, I still don't even know. Okay. This will be for the fan. So I'm gonna say this, and look, I I definitely want to experience the game. I definitely want to get the game, okay? I could eat these words. My opinion as of right now, we can go on record. I got a bad feeling about it. I got a bad gut feeling about it.
2: But okay. <clears throat> I guess i have a question like my question would be is is your bad feeling that it's gonna be a boring game or is your bad feeling that the expectations you and others are gonna have won't be met? Because I mean the thing is is like is I just don't know that this is gonna be a well, it's tough because I've I've seen people complaining that it looks so boring, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a walking simulator or there's not much you do and you still over packages and stuff. But I think there's no way it's gonna be boring. I now if you wanna say it's gonna be one of those kind of games that you love it or hate it, I can totally buy that. Like I don't know that it's gonna be as casual friendly as like a Metal Gear whatever, right? But I think there's no way it's going to be boring. It's just whether or not what it offers like trips your trigger.
0: Hmm. And like well, I'm, trying
2: to of, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. that can't off the hand.
1: I'm. I guess. I guess the. And I know this contradicts everything you just got done saying. I guess my fear is why aren't they showing? Even if what they show is BS and, like, the game drastically changes or there's there's this whole other area where, like, oh, my God, no wonder they kept this under wraps. Like, going back to the Metal Gear thing. And, you know, Metal Gear already, if you use MGS2 as an example, that game was 14 years deep. Metal Gear was 87. uh, MGS2 was 01. The first trailer was shown in 2000, so that's um, 13 years in. So there's a lineage there. You had you already kind of knew certain things what to expect, but now we're in fully 3D, you know, world, camera movement, new graphics engine, you know, and it was crazy because you didn't know there was going to be a completely different character you primarily play as. Uh, You know, the whole tanker scenario like you just got done saying, but they were still able to convey certain concepts or certain things in which you're still carry over whether you love or hate the writing character or not. You know, we all know this. The story was wackadoo, even though at the time I loved it and thought it was so cool. But with death stranding, I feel like like let's say a lot of what we're seeing is smoke and mirrors, and like maybe that's not the main area. There's somewhere let's say you go into outer space. I'm, I'm pulling this out of my backside. You go into outer space, there's a whole wide array of tools and weaponry you get or something. And there's some like some crazy story that connects. Even in that, like, even if what they're showing is a section of the game that's only 90 minutes. I think they still needed to put something together in that section of the game to hook you a bit. I guess, I
2: mean, because I guess, I mean, because if you think about it, like, we're not really seeing, like, we've only seen what we think is the real
1: world, right? Sure, like, either way, like, yeah, whether it is or not, right. Yeah there's, yeah,
2: there's those other layers, like, you know, and I'm not saying it's going to be like this, but remember that the project that Kojima was working on before this was Silent Hill? Yes, which is a game notorious for having layers to its world and having kind of like like alternate dimensions and stuff mm-hmm. and so you know there's there's a possibility that that Kojima had a lot of ideas for things to do with kind of alternate dimensions that he couldn't do there, and so he's transferring some of those ideas over to here because there's there's a number of different layers that we know exist, but we haven't seen any kind of gameplay
1: for
0: hmm.
2: I don't know. I, just, I, just, I think there's a lot of this game that we don't know.
1: Right. Well, it's gonna be a surprise one way or another, I tell you that.
2: Yeah, I guess, it, I, guess I, said, I said on Twitter, you know, is like even if you hate how this looks you think it looks boring, like I think it's still a game to celebrate in the fact that that this man has convinced Sony to give him millions of dollars to make a game where you can pee and Jeff Keeley is a character in it. You know, like this is this is like just some guy's fan fiction, Can, and he's making it as a as a multi million dollar video game.
1: I, I'm going to say something. This is a little bit off topic, kind of a pivot. And you tell me if I'm looking way too deep. And this is actually going to come down to general Japanese development. Not this isn't just about Death Stranding, and I'm only I only have a couple games to compare this. So you tell me if I'm really threading this along too far. Do you feel sometimes with certain games that release? particularly from Japan, like certain concepts in games, like there'll be a a unique concept introduced and then you see like two or three games within a year utilizing the same concept where you know they must have even been working simultaneously. Like, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think word ever gets around or there's leaks amongst Japanese companies on gaming concepts that get implemented along the way that are, that's just never spoken about out loud, like stolen ideas?
2: I mean, I'm so sure I'm, it
1: happens. So, okay, and I know, what was the game... Okay, so before I even say it, in Death Stranding, they showed that, uh, like, the holographic, that ladder extension he uses to get up Mm-hmm. Uh, Aries. That's like a form of mountain climbing, correct? Yeah. And then we had Zelda, Breath of the Wild. And then there's another game that was prior to that, which I think was Western, and I can't remember the game that gets the... can't remember if it was... Uh, I don't know why an Assassin's Creed is coming. There's something else, and it's escaping me. But like, I noticed there were certain trends or certain things that hit with major titles and then you see it kind of repeated and i guess i'm going to jump to a a, a different example so i went through i think i talked about this on the last show because the game would have been out by then and i would have completed it i went through devil may cry 5 which i mm-hmm. which i thought was excellent yeah. they introduced a new uh concept with um v where you control v and simultaneously this is different than the mountain climbing uh concept but it's back to ideas getting taken or or modified v you can control other characters simultaneously so there was the uh the falcon or bird from like Devil May Cry 1 I don't know I can't mm-hmm. remember the name and then there was the uh the panther right mm-hmm and then it had its own style and i felt at the time it was handled pretty well right uh i felt it could be perfected down the line but you know i felt capcom kind of gave a blueprint of sorts or like you know it's a unique concept for a different gameplay style from uh dante and nero okay mm-hmm. and going back further into the lineage of manga and comics which goes back to the late 80s you know we can get into jojo's bizarre adventure with a stand like a, a separate character that's now devil may cry five didn't do that exactly but just to keep that concept in mind leading us to where we are now with the recently released astral chain right i knew you were going there and astral chain you have your character And you now have another character you have the ability to control simultaneously. Now, from a visual perspective, this looks more JoJo than it did in Devil May Cry. But the concept of controlling two characters at once can be tricky, cumbersome. And I don't want to say it has never been done. But for recent memory, the Valiant attempt has been made with Devil May Cry 5. Now, I will tell you. In my opinion, and I, uh, you know, it's been a couple months since I played dmc Five, but like I said, it's I, I beat it, and it's a recent release. It it hasn't been that long. I can tell you, Astral Chain has perfected that. Where because my big the re, I didn't talk about Astral Chain much because one, it was only announced a handful of months ago, so there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. I love the action games from Platinum. And I didn't know if there was going to be enough to differentiate itself because, one, we had Devil May Cry 5 released this year, which is still probably going to be one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, I'm going to jump around on you. My two games <clears throat> of the year so far, uh, and I may have to sit down about this and think about it more later, but off the top of my head, Resident Evil 2. Yep. And Astral Chain so far. I
2: mean, you know what? Like, it's, it's, because I was just actually thinking about this. Um a few days ago is like i don't know i'm going to do about game of the year so far because i mean we've had like like you said we've had build my cry 5 resident evil 2 Mm -hmm. um judgment wasn't wasn't too bad yeah excellent excellent game a fantastic new era samurai showdown which doesn't make any sense but somehow it happened um you've got a plague tale innocence You've got, uh, yeah, I mean, so there's already like a decent selection, like the year's like half over and there's already some really, really, really good games out there.
1: Right. And, but yeah, so the the Astral Chain thing with the second character, I'm really impressed. I guess we'll jump into this real quick. Have you played Astral Chain? No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do mental bullet points here. And we're about 40 minutes into recording. we still got time, but I'm just giving you a time marker here. So, Astral Chain, in no particular order. Okay, Switch, Switch on paper, as we know, is, quote, underpowered when compared to PS4 and Xbox, okay? Right. But we've said this for years now. In the right hands, utilizing the hardware from the ground up, <clears throat> and use it, and doing things with Nintendo utilizing their own smart art direction for Nintendo games. And then I noticed this recent wave of games utilizing clever anime cel-shading, and such as things in, like, Fire Emblem, Astral Chain. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right so I don't laugh. The upcoming, what is it, that Damon Ex Machina? Right, yeah. So when done properly like when you play astral chain you for the most part will never be like i wish this was on xbox or playstation because i can get better performance and i'm going to make a really unfair comparison here because this is i'm going to compare something here it's a much we're comparing apples to oranges different type of development Mm -hmm. and team and this is another game I, i do enjoy you know, you look at a game like Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which I have experienced playing on PlayStation 4. I've done, I don't know if I should say this for spoilers, but I, I've gone through a good chunk of that game, we'll say, without spoiling. I saw a side-by-side video online on YouTube, which they, they do say the Switch version will get patched. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's maybe going to be some differences or whatever, whatever. I didn't get the Switch version and i was like what the hell i mean there was a considerable difference like the gameplay was there you're still going to get the experience but i was like holy like what is going on mm-hmm. but then you look at something like Astral chain and you're like how like what's going on here because the game looks fantastic and the i love the not only do I love the overall look, you're going to get a real classic 90s anime vibe. Now, I brought up a little cheat sheet here, and I'm sure many of our listeners, because they're hardcore listeners, know a lot of this. So, the director, what is it, Takahisa Tora, who was, I believe, one of the main individuals behind Nier uh, Automata. Uh, but, the, but the other thing I want to skip to, and as we know, Hideki Kamiya oversaw... Uh, he was like an outside advisor and helping with combat, but the one the person of note is, um, a manga artist Mazakazu Katsura. Now, I look if you tested me and said, "Hey, do you know who this guy is?" I would have said no. But when you look up his resume, have you looked up his resume?
2: I i. Yeah, I mean, I know I know, sh- I should know this guy, and as soon as start telling me, I'll know who he is. And,
1: and here, so I'm going to go two ways on this. So here, you, there's one I'm going to say something's going to make sense, but then I'm going to say something random that I thought was kind of weird. Um, so he's, in terms of manga, he's worked on things such as Wingman, Supermobile Troop, Vander, Zetman, but I'm going to skip ahead. We'll know some of these other ones. Shadow Lady, DNA, Squared, um but other works, these are ones that are probably more familiar in the anime world. So one of my favorites, Iria Zerum, yeah. the animation, um, Tiger and Bunny, which I'm familiar with. I haven't seen, but I've seen it, you know, like uh, manga and artwork. Um, the Girl in Twilight, which is some multimedia thing. But anyway, th- to take of note, Iria Zerum, Tiger and Bunny, He's done Astral Chain. His manga work goes back to the 80s and 90s. Oh, he, uh, Video Girl. Uh, AI. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah, the yeah. other big one, right? Yeah, yeah. So the point of all this is when you see the game, you're like, oh my God, this game has a really 90s vibe, a 90s anime vibe. That's why. Furthermore, there are certain elements in the design remind me a little bit of uh early mid 90s Sega. The one funny thing without me. If I didn't look this guy up and regurgitate to you what I just did, and you said, "Hey, when you look at this, uh, when you look at this game and the art design, you know, you definitely see the '90s influence in the anime, right?" Okay, anybody can see that. I would have guessed that he was a character designer for Giver. Yeah, that makes or, sense. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But soundtrack on the game is incredible. I love the visuals. I'm, a, I'm several hours in, I've heard the game can last a good 20 to 30 hours, there's side missions, there's I believe reason to go back through, different difficulties, this game is a large, this would probably be considered more over the top action adventure with RPG elements, I, I gotta tell you Molly, damn, like, I would I not have given Devil May Cry 5 Game of the Year. I would score Devil May Cry 5 like a 9, but, you know, Mm -hmm. separate category. Here's the funny thing. I'd love playing DMC5, and even though I'm more of an action, over-the-top action adventure person, Resident Evil 2, I give the praise of a game-of-the-year contender because of the fine balance of old and new satisfying everybody, which is, is like, so impossible to do. But if we're talking strictly action games and then moving it into a game-of-the-year category... I'm not done with it yet, so I don't want to eat my words. But goddamn, I might have to give Astral Chain. I got to give it the edge over. Hmm. I know Devil May Cry.
2: So there's certain. Um, I mean, it is platinum, though. You know. So
1: I didn't. I don't know why I'm going to say this. I didn't expect one this good from platinum right now. I, I don't know why I'm saying that because I think you know Bayonetta three is in the background um you know and that's the one kind of that we're like you know that always has the highest expectation there are certain elements when i look at characters back at the precinct in the like your home base but, uh, damn there's certain things and I, I know you weren't crazy about this game but damn there's certain visuals or certain character designs that remind me of metal gear rising um and yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone playing this uh, at home that's listening, if they get a little bit of an MGR vibe from certain elements, but then you get that 90s anime and Sega feel as well. Um, and then like with, uh, I'm getting real minutiae here, the text boxes and the way certain menus are, that reminds me of Near Automata. Mm. So it's, a, it's kind of a potpourri, a mix of a lot of things. But I got to tell you, they have a home run in this franchise, and if it sells well, which I'm, which I, I'm, I'm thinking it will. You're going to see a sequel to this, and this is another franchise that that Nintendo's gonna gonna have. And I got to tell you, for Nintendo, this isn't obviously a first party game. I love Nintendo. Like Mario Maker Two came out in June. That, that's totally up my alley. I love that kind of game. You know, we got what there's Luigi's Mansion Three coming out. Fire Emblem just got a new release. The point of that, we got the new the remake of the Zelda, the Game Boy game coming. But the point is, you really haven't seen a new Nintendo-specific franchise in a long time. Yeah. Astral Chain is... Uh, they finally got something fresh. They yeah, finally I see, got I mean, something I mean, fresh. It
2: looks, it looks... I don't know. Like, I go back and forth. Like, it looks interesting.
1: You, you're I'm not a totally fan
2: of in, like the anime dynamic. But.
1: I'm gonna say you're a fan of old school anime like me, mm-hmm. and I don't like a lot of the modern day stuff. You gotta play this off that, or you gotta see if someone can mm. send you a cut because you're a lover of classic anime and you like action as well. You gotta play this. You gotta play it. mm Hmm. But uh, outside of that, uh, before I know, I've been gabbing for a while. Let's get this plug in here, and then I'm going to let you talk for a while. So that's that's been eating up my time as well as collection of mana. I've been playing Trials of Mana, the SNES version. I'm about yeah. I've got
2: my copy. Um, I mean, that's like a that was like a very very exciting. Now to come out of E3. Yes. Uh, Because it's funny because I remember when I was back doing fanzines, I remember doing a a section on secret mana 2 at the time uh, was it two or three and i'm toy spacing this
1: would be because th- three technically yes yeah, secret of mana right. was technically two but just Thinking
2: labeled that as three
0: yeah
2: uh you know i did a little feature on like will it come over to america or not mm-hmm. and I that was like so long ago now so like it's it's really really neat to see that it finally came over and i actually i ordered, I ordered the switch version i've got it sitting here um unopened so far oh nice yeah like, you got the physical it. too yeah.
1: Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm about a half dozen hours into Trial of Mana, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, that's- it's,
2: it's it's really funny because, like, I'm on this, like, physical Switch kick, but I'm only doing retro stuff. Like, because there's mm-hmm. just something about the Switch that there's so much, not only great retro gaming coming mm-hmm. out for it, but, like, a lot of games that just never existed before in terms of, like, home ports or or they were very rarely brought back to other systems and stuff. Um, so, like, it just really feels like this great, like, retro console. And, like, I know that there's some games coming out where you can get them on other platforms, but there's just, like, so, so much of this stuff uh, out for the Switch. So, like, I like, I bought that. I got the, um, the Raiden, Raiden whichever we you say it. Uh, uh-huh. Five, I think it was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at at picking up the uh, God. What is it called? The uh, I lost the tab. The ch- 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 Game Paradise Cruising Mix Special coming out for for Switch.
1: I don't even know what the hell you just said. What is that? It's
2: it's a um, it's a. Sh- I'm trying to think of a like Who was it? Taito that made Oh, Jalico. The Game Paradise is Jalico's self-parody-filled shooting game, full of tongue-in-cheek mm. references to video game tropes and offbeat mm. humor. So there was a a limited release version on the PS4 previously, and now there's one coming out for Switch. Um, So there's like just so much of this retro stuff. So yeah, I picked up the Secret Mono Collection physically.
1: Speaking of, I would love to see, even though some of these games have been re-released a million times on other consoles, I would love, similar to your train of thought for Switch, I would love to see Square follow suit with their other classic SNES RPGs and put those out on Switch cart. Like maybe like FF, you know. 2, 3 and Chrono Trigger, you know, 4, 6 and Chrono Trigger on a card or, you know, something like that. And I would like that too. I, I It's so weird you say that because we haven't discussed this in private and I've been on a weird retro kick as well. For example, recently I went through a Super Castlevania four mm. on the collection. I beat Contra Hardcore. I'm going through wow. Trials of Mana. I'm going backwards. I'm, <laughs> I'm going through Trials of Mana, you know, the uh, – so, yeah, so I've been on this weird uh, 16-bit retro kick, and uh, I feel you on that. Now, spe- speak uh, – Yeah,
2: I, I think I think part of it for me is just, like, all the arcade stuff that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I mean, I, you, you know we've had, like, the ACA – uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. The Hamster Arcade Archive yeah. stuff. and But, like, what's really interesting on the Switch side is they're doing that in, like, that Nintendo arcade stuff you know where we go oh, is it sky skipper oh those yeah the game i like, do have never those. come yeah. home yeah and they've got like Versic excite bike and they've got the the arcade version this is so weird that the arcade arcade version of like nintendo pinball mm. and stuff like that um and there's some other stuff too that where like there's these like you know arcade or capcom's like beat-em-up collection like where it was like oh, a yeah, yeah. few arcade games that yeah. we've never gotten before so there's just like for me, the retro arcade stuff has been especially interesting.
1: It's so you're jogging my memory. I got the PS4 version of the uh, the Capcom, the one you just mentioned, the Brawlers, mm-hmm. whatever the pack. Right, the Beam Bundle. Yeah, I got it earlier this summer, and I took an hour and one night, and I went through. Um, name me the one that came home for the first time. I should know this because I beat oh, it.
2: Well, I mean, is it? Is it? Uh, I keep wanting to call it Cyberbot, but I don't think it's Cyberbot.
1: no, no. Although I did play that. No, the one with the character um, that looks like Felicia. Oh, God. You what know what I'm talking about.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to look it up now because I'm totally spacing
1: on yeah, it. Yeah, so I took a night and uh, I actually – and I looked that game up at the time and I was shocked. That was the last Capcom arcade beat 'em up released, which when I read that – I think I read that fact out on Wikipedia. I couldn't believe that. I, I, It just didn't compute with me. Yeah, that's, that's
2: kind of surprising. Um, okay, it's uh, Battle Circuit.
1: Thank you. I think it was Armored like a ninety-seven Warriors. release, and that was that CPS two board.
2: Uh so yeah, Battle Circus was ninety seven. I think I think it had to have been CPS two.
1: Yeah. It was the last <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But uh so anyway, yeah, not to get you off top, but yeah, so I've been on an old school kick as well. And going a little bit more old school, and then I'll let you take the stage, so to speak, some uh our new friends uh, at Bitmap Books. So I've talked about Bitmap Books in the past. I've purchased uh, a few of their offerings and taken part in their Kickstarters. One of my favorite books that I own is the uh, Super Nintendo Visual Compendium that came out two years ago. I supported that Kickstarter in 2017, an absolutely unbelievable book. I know I talked about it a little while ago. Fast forward 2019, June of 2019. Uh Our friend Sam Dyer at Bitmap sent us uh, review copies of the Sega Master System Visual Compendium hardbound book that came out two months ago. And I've been familiar with the quality of their books for some time, but this is the first time Molly has gotten to see it firsthand. And uh, for those at home that want to check it out before I let Molly talk about it a little bit, go to bitmapbooks.co.uk and uh these historical books are absolutely gorgeous painstakingly done uh what do you think of the sega master system visual compendium book so far
2: let me grab mine here hang on a second um
1: hardbound beautiful glossy pages
2: yeah it's, it's funny because i've 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 been wanting to look at these books for like a long time now and this is this is not me this is not like a cheap plug this is me being honest um because like i've i've anthony keeps sending me these links to this kind of stuff you know and like especially with like with what were some of the previous ones were like legit was a
1: genesis one right well not from not 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 from bitmap oh, not, not, it's, no, it no, gets please. a little confusing but they've done I, they've done a super famicom box art book i got one of their first which was that was three years ago which was killer a super nintendo one um but yeah, but I've sent you photos and stuff via the phone and yeah, talked I'm to you. Yeah, I'm
2: trying about to think. Of, like, what were there other books? Because I know there's like I know there I know there was one that I was I was really really wanting from them. Um, bitmap looks me sorry bitmap because I don't want to get it wrong. Books because there was one of them. It, it, I think it might have been the Famicom one that was was the one that I was, um.
1: Yeah, they did do an NES Famicom Visual Compendium uh, a couple years ago.
2: Because the Neo Geo, I know they sell the Neo Geo history, but that was that them. Well,
1: oh yeah, I else? yes, I I purchased that last year. Yeah, the Neo okay, Geo because, Visual I mean, that, History. That especially
2: yeah. that that's the one that's the one that I first you know got to know them. Um, but from this actual series, it was the NES one that I was, I was wanting, but. Uh, yeah, the Neo Geo visual history was one that really, really was making me kind of like, <laughs> do I pick of these up or not? But like, you know, there, there's been kind of a lot of these projects of of doing these kind of print books for things, and it's, it's kind of crazy just to see how neat something like this turns out. Uh, but I think the neat thing about it is, I mean, there's a lot of information here. You know, there's like interviews and Details about the games and shots of like like this is packaging Sega the Sega 3 d glasses and Sega sports pack packaging mm-hmm. the different master System versions and their controllers so there's a lot of like information here, but like I think what the kind of neat thing is that it's very visual like yeah, in a weird way, talking about game fan it reminds me of game fan how we would have these screenshots and just blow them up really big, right. And we were never afraid to show the game that way. Because I, th- I think, like, sometimes with retro stuff, there's, like, this almost weird fear of, like, pixels, right? It's, like, you can't have these big, chunky pixels. And you can't have, you know, this kind of just, like, low-resolution stuff blown up so big. Right. And I see time after time of, like, screenshots not being big or, like, even stuff given out for, like, PR, you know, assets. Like, just any stuff. And... I really appreciate kind of making all this stuff just just huge and and kind of relishing in the pixels, in the the jagginess, in the harshness of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I love pixels, and like and like I always hate using like filters and things like that to kind of get rid of those kind of the chunky pixels ness of stuff. So yeah, and it, it feels a little weird at first. Um, and you get it, because. As somebody who who does a lot of print, like you feel the side and you're like, "Wow, some of these pages aren't cut right," is what you think at first because like some of the pages are, sh- are shorter. But then when you find out is that some of the pages are kind of fold out.
1: Oh yeah, beautiful uh, fold out. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think like if I was giving any kind of criticism, like I think that's one of the things that I'm not sure I love is is because. Like, for example, I'm looking at it right now, and like Zillion. And I, I love Zillion. And I think Zillion is a great game to give a fold-out to, but it, it's kind of a weird choice, you know? And and it does feel strange if you're, like, flipping through pages to have some pages just be shorter because they are the flip-outs. So, I think if I was giving any criticism, like that might be one thing I would say is the fact that I don't necessarily like that idea. But otherwise, it's like, it's it's... It's really, really neat, and I know this is kind of an overused, um, an overused phrase, but it it feels like a love letter to the Master System. You know, if you're somebody who was a fan of the Master System, like it just it just feels like a a complete celebration of it. And I, I don't think it's always as in depth as you initially might want it to be right because for me thinking like okay what is the one singular master system game above all others and to me it's fantasy star you know fantasy star is the game that makes this a master master system and you kind of look at it and it's like okay it's it's four pages and they aren't necessarily the most exciting images you could choose from fantasy star so I think initially when you come into the book, it's kind of like you have this expectation of of a game like that having this twenty page blowout, right? And these super exciting shots. But what it is is it's a little it's a little more like a low lower key kind of looking back on the game. And like there's a shot of the dragon in the 3D maze here from Fantasy Star, and and you might initially think that's the most exciting image but it kind of tells the story of the game visually in a way that maybe more exciting images wouldn't have done so. Mm. And there's some interesting stuff, like, for example, right after Fantasy Star, right, you have Missile Defense 3D, 3D and here's an interview with like Mark Cerny.
0: Oh, yeah, like, yeah.
2: The Mark Cerny who helped design the PS4, you know, and I think you could be somebody who's like, I never ever would have known that Mark Sardy had any connection to Missile Defense 3D for example. So like there there's like just a lot of really interesting content like that and and little tidbits or or little interviews that you aren't expecting to be in here but that pr- like provide something kind of nice outside your expectations. And that's what I think the whole book is is, is it's really it's reconnecting you with the system in a way that isn't necessarily what you expect it to be, but it's it's interesting on a different level.
1: And one of my one of my favorite things of, of that I've read out of this book is I loved reading all the way in the back the uh, the article for or whatever you want to call it on the master system in Brazil. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Did you did you skim through any of that part?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. I did part of yeah. Because, that is like, cr- yeah.
1: To this day, there's a variant of it that is still sold to this day. It has, uh, I think, a, more than 130 games built in, but the master system or the, ver- the variation they had in Brazil was so well known and like a part of their childhood that that piece of hardware exists and lives on to this day in that country for th- almost 30 years. I can't get over that.
2: And I mean that like, that kind of stuff is like really interesting. Like it's 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 funny the timing because there just this week was a story that came out about like why is King of Fighters so oh, popular in Latin. I retweeted
1: America. that, yeah, with the Latino right? uh yeah, the-
2: Yeah, so it's it's like I always love the kind of stuff of like reading about especially, you know, I think as as the Westerners like like we are, you often think America, Europe, Japan, right? Like, those are the three video game markets. But then you hear these stories from, like, Latin America or the Middle East or Russia or these places where we often don't hear very much about their gaming communities. But when you do, it's, like, this really fascinating stuff that kind of gives you a look at at gaming in a way that you haven't thought about it.
1: That's the type of stuff I like to... uh uh, read, and, and uh, what, it's so funny, off the air, I was talking about one of my personal goals in the upcoming year and what I'd like to do in my free time. You know, I used to do a little bit of writing, a little bit of freelance about a decade ago, and I haven't done that in a while. But when I did that for, a, let's say, about two years, realistically, um, that was the type of unique content i would try to brainstorm and it's not always easy to come up with that stuff but like whether it was interviewing like at the then newer neo geo dev team out of germany or interviewing uh, bryce core uh from france off his youtube about his youtube channel and personal collection things of that nature when i saw that king of fighters um latin america article that was exactly that that's the type of thing i would like to do again something with a unique perspective it was nostalgic from a time in gaming that i was you know very behind and it's a story we haven't seen or heard before and it's and and furthermore it's evergreen content yeah that's the magic combination that's it's you know when you see an article like that and it's done and you read about it you're like oh that wasn't that wasn't that bad. It was it looked like a pretty easy piece to put together, you know. It's, it, but it's it's not easy. Like to come, when you have to come up with something from nothing, and then put it together and hit all those marks, you know, to, so to speak of you know evergreen and uniqueness and haven't been seen before. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah.
2: So I mean, I, yeah. So this book is is really cool. Like it's it's I mean, just crazy thick. How many pages? It's almost 500 400 pages. 432 pages. Um, really heavy. It's got a nice little slip case. I guess I don't know what you'd call it. Like, is it a slip cover? Slip yeah.
1: Case? Heavy um, duty.
2: Yeah. So I mean, it's it said. It might be different than what you think it's going to be going in because it was for me, but it's it's still like a fascinating kind of look back at a system that that. You know it's interesting for me because i was huge huge into the nes and then the master system and fantasy star like took me in a bit of a different direction and that made me a sega fan
1: mm. so. and, and i'll say this kind of wrapping up this portion of the show as we start to wind down so with that being said once again we want to thank bitmap books we want to thank sam dyer i mean that guy talk about being uh johnny on the spot um We haven't done a DLC episode of GVGP in a couple years, uh, which as always are the best price of free, but we hopefully intend realistically in the coming weeks or with, you know, let's be realistic, in the next two to four weeks maybe, Molly and I will have to get together and plan out our time frames. Uh, We're going to do our best. We want to have Sam Dyer on, not only to talk about these passion projects, tell a little bit about himself, maybe even the gaming scene over in the UK, but also to help promote The next big major book that's coming out in November, pre orders are up now, releases in November, is the new book on the history of Metal Slug. Mm. So that one has me very excited. It's officially called Metal Slug The Ultimate History. So look out for that. And uh, we look forward to having Sam on the show very soon. So, with that being said, Molly, uh, we're at about 70 minutes in here, catching up with the fans, kind of touch base on some modern and nostalgic things. Uh, do you have anything uh, on tap that you want to talk about instead of me kind of gabbing away? Well, so, you know,
2: coming out of uh, E3, there were a, a number of announcements that, that I had wanted to talk about on the show. Um there's one in particular that we, I think we still have to talk about, but real quick before that, let me just say a few things to kind of clear some stuff out of the way. And not all of these are necessarily E3 stuff, but there are things I want to not forget to say. Um, So we did find out that, that NES America is bringing over some, a couple of really neat games that are a little bit of a surprise. So disaster report for, Plus, summer memories is finally, finally coming to America. You know, this is this is the game that <clears throat> uh, was it the 2011 F- uh, Fukushima.
1: Oh yeah, was that, that uh, Fukushima, Fukushima was three eleven eleven, I believe.
2: Yeah, because I, I I know it was March eleven, but I wasn't sure if it was thousand eleven or not. But um, you know, of course, the Zash report series is is based on like natural disasters happening in kind of the aftermath of that Uh, disaster report 4 was going to be based on earthquakes and then of course the, the huge earthquake in the fukushima area happened and that game just kind of disappeared for a long long time finally it came it did come out in japan and we are getting it over here next year that's a great pickup fantastic i'm so so happy about that um, but in addition to that, uh, NES America has also announced that the Psycho, Psycho, Shooting Stars collections, both Alpha and Brave, are coming to America.
1: I forgot about that for Switch. Yeah, when so is that? Is when is that coming
0: here?
2: Early next year. Uh okay. So you know, all these games are games you can already pick up on the the Switch eShop. These are all these great like classic. Uh, psycho Shooters, for example. What is there? There's uh, Strikers 1945. Mm-hmm. I think one, two, and three. There's There's Gunbird, um, Gunbird Two. Oh, what is the God the Samurai one? Um, anyway, these these are some great <clears throat> top-down and side-scrolling shooters. And when I say shooters, I mean real shooters, not first-person shooters. Uh, So those are both coming over, uh, and coming over physically, which is exceptionally crazy. So initially, what's interesting is initially, I think, was the... I think the Asian version was first. And there were three volumes, and each volume had four games on it. But then, when these were hitting Japan... It's now two volumes with six games each. That's what we're getting over here. Is we're getting the two wow. volume, six game versions, which is really cool. Uh, Breakers and Breakers Revenge. These are two kind of beloved yet underappreciated fighting games for the Neo Geo. Um, they're getting re-released in a Breakers collection. That's coming here too? It is. What's What format? Um, I think it's... What is Breaker's Collection? Is it PS4 and Switch? And it's physical? I'm not sure if it's... Fi- let, me, let me see wow. if it's physical or not. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Breaker's Collection. Cubite. Double pack. For consoles and PS, or consoles and PC sometimes next year. Include a range of features, but they don't say what exactly they are. Wow. And I think we may or may not begin them physically. But I, I would be surprised if we don't.
1: And not to jump around, and you on the Psycho one. Were you possibly thinking of uh Goku Ace? Yes, was that one of them?
2: Sengoku Goku Ace is one of them, definitely. You have
1: to keep me posted. Uh, not that this should be atop my memory banks, but you got to keep me posted when that Psycho stuff comes out, so I don't forget. Because I actually, yeah. I don't have the dough, but I saw those on Play Asia recently, and those were I was like, oh, I kind of.
2: Yeah, I was like super tempted to buy pick them up because like I've, yeah. I've picked up a few of the the eShop digital versions. But I was like, you know at this point it'd just be cheaper to buy the collections and now they're coming over here. So Wow. Um and the Breakers Collection is interesting because the original Breakers actually came out as kind of one of the late era Dreamcast games. Like I mean when I say late era, I mean really, really late era. Oh, you're talking say. breakers? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wanna say that was like in the last year, like a weird and another thing I saw in Play Asia, which was odd.
2: Yeah, and and that was neat, but like to me, if you're gonna get breakers, like you need breakers revenge, and so so it's kind of cool that like the collection is gonna have both of them. Mm. But again, like these are really awesome yet totally underappreciated um, Neo Geo fighting games. If you've never tried them, you definitely should.
1: Wow, it's by Visco. Yep. Wow.
2: A name that a lot of people nowadays but might not know. But. Yeah. Uh, I got to play the Poly at E3. It it is oh. real. It worked. I played Dream. I mean, I played import Saturn games on it, and they worked. Uh, it was very, very surprising. So I'm super excited to see it in its finished form. But I did want to just say that it is real.
0: <laughs>
1: wow! How did it feel? I I've been following it closely. I saw a live stream on. Uh, um, electric play uh, playground network about a month or two ago with victor lucas uh and i saw the, the the developer talking about it what was your take on it
2: yeah i mean like i was actually pretty impressed like um the problem is is you know i was sitting on the show floor and i'm going from game to game to game because i want to really try out different things so it was kind of hard to get a really good impression you know not like a long term spending a few hours with any particular title, but I came away actually legitimately impressed with what I played. Like, I don't know that it'll be a solution I would maybe invest a lot of money into personally, but Mm -hmm. I have like way, way better impressions of it now than before. And it was funny because I went up there and he's like, yeah, sit down and pick a game. And I'm like, I'm going to bet you I'm looking for some really obscure stuff you don't have. And every game i was looking for they already had installed on the system wow they had like some super obscure like saturn games installed on there and stuff (laughs) so they actually like came prepared it wasn't you know i i kind of was wondering is it going to be like they have like 10 games to choose from because they know those 10 games work great but no they had hundreds and hundreds of games installed
1: that must have had some hell of a drive in there then, right?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know like what you know. They had like a ex- external right hard drive attached to it or something, but but yeah, they had a ton of games on there.
1: Yeah, I subscribe to the YouTube channel which they update you know, a couple times a month with one it could the videos could be a minute, two minutes to fifteen. Uh, I, like for example, recently they showed one showing different variations or Outrun from the. PC Engine version to the Mega Drive version to the Sega Saturn, Sega Ages Collection version. And uh, yeah, I I, I think the menus look pretty cool. It looks like they have like the disc art and everything associated with it. If you don't mind me asking, did you use a stock Polymega controller? And if so, what was your take on the feel of the controller?
2: I'm trying to remember which one I used because I know I used a their Super Nintendo one, and I might have used their Saturn. And they seem fine. They seem totally fine to me.
1: So. Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm... But again, again, ha-
2: again, it was like, um, you know, I literally spent like five minutes playing at E3, so... Did,
1: did, did they have a potential release date? I know pre-orders were on their site, and I think it like pre-sold the first batch or something a month or two ago, but did they say a uh, date?
2: At that point, no, and I, I I, just honestly haven't kind of kept up with the date. On it, so I'm not sure when it's coming.
1: Do you think? Do you think it's definitely not 2019?
2: <sighs> I I think from from you know because I've been watching kind of the Twitter stuff with some of them, some of the Twitter stuff you know lately, and I don't know that I would hold my breath for 2019. Right. Like I feel more comfortable about saying it's gonna be 2020, but I could be wrong on that. Mm. Because like I said, I I I haven't legitimately. Been specifically following like any kind of date talk, just kind of seeing random conversation happening, right? Um, and what was probably the biggest shock for me, which is funny considering what's going to come up in a second here. Fantasy uh, Star Online Two is coming to the West. Fantasy Star Online Two. Oh, that
1: was hella shocker! Announced during the Xbox which, conference at 3 but and it will be, I believe, multi.
2: Platt. which now to be clear this came out in 2012 in japan uh, on windows in 2013 for vita 2016 <clears throat> for ps4 2018 for switch these are all japanese dates um it is coming and even funnier is as of this moment i think the in, the confirmed platforms are xbox one and pc Wow. Because it was announced at the Xbox uh, showcase. Like, I'm going to be shocked if it's not on at least the PS4 as well at some point, but this could be an Xbox slash Windows exclusive for a bit.
1: I thought I heard... Yeah, let me see something here. Because
2: I I was thinking that, like, they had something about, like, like, Microsoft said, like, we're not stopping them.
1: Yeah, I thought I read from- something weird, so I have to retract what I said. I thought I heard that it was going outside of Xbox One, but, it, but like, it wasn't, you know, obviously they're not going to say that during their presentation. Because you've seen that where Sony and or Microsoft right. will show something, and then you learn, like, the next day on the floor, like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's coming to PS4. So I don't want to speak out of line. I thought... It was mentioned elsewhere, but I don't. I'm looking on Wikipedia, not that that's the be-all, end-all, and it's showing Xbox One second quarter 2020. So I could have sworn I heard it was going, and maybe PS4 as well, maybe. But my, but what I did not know is I didn't know Switch got a version overseas. Yeah, but I
2: think the catch with that, oh, I'm sorry, Fantasy Online Two. Um. Well, this says, mm, this is con for PS4 and Switch but I don't know that that's true. PS4 version will re- happen in the future. will eventually end up on all platforms. So yeah, I don't I don't think it's so confirmed. So it is so
1: maybe I'm not crazy but it's just they have no time frame for the other ones.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's going to be in the cases of like maybe cuz I don't know I don't know if like Microsoft the- is helping in this at all or not. So I don't know if it's a case of where mm. um it's going to be maybe on xbox one and windows that, for like uh, six months right you know something like that before it comes to other platforms
1: that would be but, a huge th- 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 gift for switch with the portability
2: but okay the switch problem is from my understanding and i could be wrong about this but i think the switch version is streamed oh i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think it might be one of those games where like it's streamed on the switch and not an actual game
0: Hmm.
2: So, yeah. So, I mean, I have honestly have no interest in those kind of stuff, but you know, it is right. it is there. So, it is potentially going to come
1: out in the West. Which Interesting. Is well. well, we'll definitely give it a crack on uh, Xbox for free, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then
2: uh, Cotton reboot. So, uh, beep the the team. While Beep is working on a PS4, Switch, and PC remake of the X68000 port of the 1991 arcade game Cotton Fantastic Night
1: Dreams. What world are we living in right now?
2: It's, isn't it crazy? Like, it really is. Like, some just... And I, I said, I know this isn't Switch-focused, but <clears throat> I just feel like something with the Switch has made even more of these weirdo retro remakes and ports and stuff happen
1: so i will say this i you know and i've spoken highly of the switch since its release in spring of 2017 you know i've said since day one i think it's nintendo's best offering uh in a while now that may be a little bit backhanded because i was not a fan of the wii and the wii u is what it was i only had one because of some of the exclusives and you know it that that unfortunately you know turned out to be a sad state of affairs so you know not since the gamecube have i really been super interested uh, in a cons you know console or whatever i know it's a hybrid but you know excluding gba which i love and ds family and all that but i will tell you i do believe the switch now more than ever right now it's been about two and a half years they are really hitting a special stride right now. Not only with like, look, there's still a lot of shovelware. There's still a lot of phone-based stuff. Like when I look in the shop, I'm like, oh God, like all that shovelware crap. Yet simultaneously, I got to tell you, I think right now, and I know, I know when it comes to Sony and Microsoft for the time being, you know, Sony's got the win on the exclusives, no doubt. But I got, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think when it comes to exclusives right now, that I either actually want to play or sink into, or that that have roots in more traditional like gaming, not just story driven narratives. Switch is really they're really hitting it right now. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, I mean, I
2: like—I I don't know, like exclusive wise, like I don't know that I care as much on Switch. Well, you're, I'm making I, fun
1: of you. You're nuts. I saw your tweet. Like, you're the only person on the planet that plays Switch not for its exclusives.
2: No, I know. Yes, I, I, right. I, I, I buy Nintendo consoles for non-Nintendo <laughs> games. Like, I do not care about Nintendo's games most of the part. Um, right. but I don't know. Like, yeah, the Switch for me is just. Like I said, I, I love, love the ability to play it as a handheld or as a console. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I've wanted for years and years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I, I just, I just wish, like, my dream for the Switch would be give me a dock that can make the system more powerful when docked. Mm. So that, because there's still, like, these, just these certain. Console games where it's like, man, I would love to play this on the Switch, but I'm just not going to go for the Switch version, you know. Especially e- having, you know, PS4 and Xbox One both. Like, I, I have- see what
1: you're saying. Yeah, I'm. I kind of understand that in terms of being a multi-platform, you know, owning multiple systems. You sometimes have to pick and choose in your quote collection or where you want to have it placed. And I think I kind of agree. Like, if there was something to spruce it up a bit or to make that decision, where hey, it's a wash. And I'm kind of on a... You know, if you're on a Switch kick or you want to beef up that collection, it makes that easier. But there's certain entries where you're kind of like, I got to do PS4 or Xbox because of the power under the hood.
2: Right, right. So that's why, for me, the Switch has become this kind of like a retro system. Uh-huh. You know, because I can put a shooter on there. I can I can take the controls off and turn the the, the uh, mobile screen sideways and play, you know, proper Tate shooters. Um or tate, I'm sorry, because I always, I always used to think it came from rotate, so that's why I call it tate. Mm. But it's tate because uh, it's Japanese for standing. Um, you know, and this this that retro stuff. But like, I would potentially want to play Resident Evil Two on the Switch if I could. Yeah, you know, so I kind of wish it could do that. I Devil May Cry Five, I could potentially play on the Switch. But I wish it could. So you know, it it can't be like. There's very few times when that kind of big stuff I'm gonna pick the switch version over the the xbox one or p s four versions, but I would love to do that more because I think the switch, if it was a little more powerful, at least docked, like could be my one system if I really, really had to choose right but I just can't imagine, like Hellblade came out on it, right? And I love Hellblade, but I can't imagine ever playing Hellblade on that versus other systems. Like, I can't imagine the, the Witcher 3 port. Like, I can't imagine playing that on Switch versus, like, Xbox One or PS4. And I wish I could. Right. Yeah. uh, But then, <clears throat> so e, let's do E3 catch up. So I'm at E3, and i get a text from anthony and I, I i you know i should have i should have found it here like let me see if i can find it real quick from uh turbo <clears throat> i'm giving away what it is but oh yeah i get this text from anthony during the show and i don't remember what it says but he's basically like hey did you see there is a turbographic <laughs> 16 mini coming and i was like Hey, Anthony, you're a liar. Because I will inevitably, over and over again, I will, I will text Anthony some kind of news that's breaking. And he'll be like, shut up. That's not happening, you know? Like, that's not real. He like, always think I'm screwing with him. And so on this day, he texts me this. And I'm like, there's, there's no way. Like, there's no way on God's green earth that they are making a TurboGrafx-16 mini because that would just be the stupidest thing any any company could ever do <laughs> right because who's going to want turbo 16 mini and within five minutes i had looked online confirmed that he was saying the absolute truth okay here he is so he texts me uh what in the f konami announced a Turbographic 16 mini and I'm like, what? And he's like, It was a surprise announced by Konami approximately twenty minutes ago. It's on Twitter. Blah blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, you're a liar. There's no way this has happened. And within five minutes, I had looked online, confirmed it, and actually gone and talked to Konami about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, is there anything you can tell me or show me about this thing? You know? And so the next day, I had an appointment. I got to see the 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 the, the mock-up version of the, the, the TurboGrafx-16 and the PC Engine Mini, both. Like, there's no way this should exist, but a TurboGrafx-16 Mini does exist. And the crazy part is, is like... Well,
1: the well, crazy okay. part, not to cut you off, and I'll, I'll let you yeah. continue, is that, you know, we're a couple months old in reporting this, so it's like yesterday, it's old news. But the crazy right. thing is, is since then, they've announced... more games for it well because it was funny because i we came out of of e3
2: saying okay we we know like five games for it right well okay so at the time what we thought we knew was we knew five games for the TurboGraphic 16 mini and we knew five games for the pc engine mini is what we Mm -hmm. thought um and when you saw sega sega was like doing like here's 10 games you know every few weeks right We'll tell you 10 more, than 10 more, than 10 more. So, you know, we thought it might be the same kind of thing. And in talking to them at E3, they were like, you know, we're not going to tell you everything now. But we also know fans don't want to just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. What I was told. So I thought, even if we come to the show two months late, we'll know like half the list, right? But just one day out of the blue, Tommy's like here's 50 games that are gonna be on the system <laughs> right and it was like what the hell and then even crazier was i, th- I think the split was was it 24 were terrific 16 north american releases 26 were pc engine japanese releases or might it be it might be 26 24 the other way it's one of those two ways
1: yeah, I'm looking, I'm going to, I'm on Wikipedia. It says a total of, sig- yeah, originally, I believe you're right. It says a total of 60 titles were announced between all regions for the many, 54 of which are unique. Konami lists these titles either under the category of TurboGrafx-16 or American Games or PC Engine for the Japanese. Uh, though this listing is heavily simplified, it's TurboGrafx-CD, CD-ROM 2, blah, 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 blah. The Japanese model will include 24 yeah, so TurboGrafx-16 24- American and 34 right. PC Engine Japanese for a total of 58
2: Okay, so the, the initial re- announcement was 24 American TG-16 games, 26 PC Engine games. And the really weird thing about this was basically like 99% of the games were going to be the same on all three versions. You mm-hmm. have the, the TG-16 Mini, you have the PC Engine Mini, and the Core Graphics Mini, which the Core Graphics Mini is going to be the European version. Um, but it's the same games for all for all of them. So it it was a really weird mix of putting American English and Japanese games on all all these platforms, right? And we thought we were done because they announced fifty games, and that that sounds like they're done, right? And you know, I had made a list, and I I thought they were going to do thirty six, so my list was was even shorter than what they gave us. So we're like, okay, we're done, and we know we know the list of games. Um, there were some big titles missing, but okay, sure. And then weeks and weeks later, they come out and say, oh, by the way, we're adding eight more games to the system. Like, it's been a really, really weird rollout of this information. But it also makes me now think, is like, might they do this again? You know, like, could they add more? Like, I'm really wondering is, so what happened, you know, was they they announced the list, but one of the big companies missing was Namco. And, of course, Namco, you think Namco, you think TG-16, you think Splatterhouse. So Splatterhouse was one of the really big holes in the game, in the systems library. So part of me is like, did they not have the Namco deal worked out yet? Right. And so they decided to go ahead and announce that first list and wait till later? Or... Because, I gotta be honest, 50 sounds like a finished list to me.
0: Right. right.
2: Did they announce that, see the reaction, and go, you know what, let's see if we can get these couple of extra games that people are wanting on the system. So I don't know, like, I don't know, like, what What the the situation was where we end up getting eight more games. Um. But, so there's only, you know, for anybody... Who hasn't seen this. uh, You know you can check the list out. There's. There's still a few. I guess you know. I'm curious to think of what you think of this. But there are a few big games missing. We have no legendary axe. Which I've heard is. Is is in rights hell. In terms of getting on the system. Like it's really really hard to license at this point. Because the company who now owns the rights to it. Um. There's no, like, what else big? Uh, There, there's, there's no Keith Courage, which I think is good, but I know certain people out there that would have
1: been nostalgia. Like, I remember when I had a TG16, but you know, I remember playing the crap out of that game because it was a pack-in, and uh, you know, I had, you know, you played anything when you're a kid. But I remember even at the time, even though I made myself play it and go through it, I knew it wasn't like a great game,
2: right? So that's missing. I uh, know Bloody Wolf is a popular one. That's not oh, on yeah. there. Uh. Um, a personal favorite of mine is, is Silent Debuggers. I would love to have seen it on there. I'm not really shocked that it's not on there. Uh, but then there are two kind of, let's see, really big, or maybe one really big shock. Uh, there's no Gate of Thunder.
1: Oh, we've, yeah. We've got no
2: Gate of Thunder.
0: mm.
1: You know, you know how so you know how I play that mm. legally? How I still have my PS3 hooked up and I have it downloaded from the Japanese store.
2: Oh, that's right. That was, that's right. There was that weird collection like, of, of Turbo I, games. I
1: have on my on my PS3. I have about a half dozen games, including <laughs> Aldenus, Gate of Thunder, Winds of Thunder, Alien Crush, Devil Crush, Bonk yeah but anyway, I just threw, oh. the reason I threw that out there was not to brag, but because I do like Gate of Thunder, and you can tech there is technically still a way to play it if like if you don't want to go this route, yeah interesting. but now so, so oh, sorry. Okay.
2: Before, before I get your opinion, there there's a few things I want to point out about this that might be things people did miss. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is M2 is the one doing it, yeah, which thank, thank I don't know goodness. how do those guys sleep? I know, I know, like, I, and, you know, there is some concern about them wearing themselves thin, like, like, Mm -hmm. the Genesis Mini isn't perfect, there, there is some, some sound lag issues, you know, that hopefully won't exist here, but you do have to wonder, like, how they do as much as they do, um, uh, what was I going to say, I, (sighs) M2's doing it, um, we are, like, my my super crazy pick for a game to be on the system was Snatcher, and we are getting Snatcher, kind of, sort of. Uh, getting Snatcher in Japanese, but not in English. Oh, um, two of the games on the system, Aldine's and Ghouls and Ghosts, are super graphics games, which I had no expectation for. So that's actually a really, really neat addition to the system. And we're getting a couple games on here that... I mean, talk about where did it go? Uh, Ginga Fuke Densetsu uh, Sapphire. This this game. I mean, if you if you want to get this game right now, just this one game alone. I think how much how much are we looking at? Oh, We're looking maybe at that's like for a thousand dollars for copy of this. Okay, that's the it one almost. I think I was
1: going to ask for clarification on because oh, to. There really wasn't anything I had to add to it, or like in terms of what was missing. But I was going to ask you, what's that expensive shooter that's actually good? Yeah, Sapphire. The, oh, and that's the that was the CD-ROM game, correct? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean there there
2: there are a, there are a handful of expensive games on here. Sapphire is by far, I think, the most expensive. Um, I mean, there are some real surprises. Like, so you know, I had gone through and put together my list of the thirty-six games I thought would be on here. And I had 30 main games, which I got. I had pretty decent batting average in terms of what I picked. Um, But then I picked five crazy games and one my one shocker. Like I really thought they were gonna give us English Snatcher. Yeah, that'd be like the super shocker game, right? But my five crazy picks were Radius Two, Datana Twin B, Bomberman 94, Sapphire, and Download Two. And we are actually getting. Gradius Two on here, which America has never had. That game, I don't think. Like, which one? Or, or, or is it on the? Is it on? The, is it on the arcade collection? Gradius Two, like like not not Life
1: Force. Yes, yeah, so actual gonna, Gradius Two. That's the cd ROM, correct? Yeah. So nerd. So here's the other nerd tidbit. This is off. I have that downloaded on PS3 as well via the Japanese store.
2: Okay, and, and you know, I'm sorry. It it was um on. The PS PlayStation Portable in America. And then the Wii virtual console. So it has been out here twice, but but Gradius 2 is still a game that like is not seen a lot of action in in, in the West. And we definitely didn't see it on you know 16. So we got that. We're getting the the turbo version of Ninja Gaiden, which I don't think we've ever had legally. Um we're getting uh bomber 94 which we never got you know so so there's a, there's a few tiles on here um even outside of like the the heavily japanese stuff that isn't translated which is one of the weird parts there's a few games on here i think um and then salamander i don't know did we get salamander AK Life Force. I don't know that we got that on TurboGrafx Graphics either.
1: I don't know, and I'm, I'm listening to you, but I got to tell you, I'm almost the only reason I really want this thing now is because I can't believe uh, sapphires on it.
2: Yeah, that's. <clears> I mean, it's 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 like the hope for a TG16, right? Like if you talk about the these the NES Classic, Super Nintendo Classic, Genesis Mini, you go into those obviously expecting them to be a mix of a lot of Casual, friendly, well-known titles and a few surprises, right? Mm-hmm. We got a surprise on the Super Nintendo Classic with Star Fox Two. The Genesis Mini had a couple really big surprises, um, but when you get from like the Turbo, the hope would be less about giving us <clears throat> the this boring general stuff, which we are getting somewhat what. You know, we're getting like JJ and Jeff, which we don't need. We're getting, I'm sorry, we don't, I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, we I, I totally
1: it. agree. So the only thing I yeah. was going to say on that is I, I did have a TG16 when I was younger and I probably had about 12 to 14 games. And I have some memories of JJ and Jeff not because it was greater. I wanted it. It must have been cheap or whatever. And I remember I got it and I, I remember playing that game a lot, but I, I always thought like that's a game, like I never bring that game up because I'm like, nobody knows this game. <laughs> and I just can't believe that's on the list.
2: Right. Like, And China Warrior, I mean, okay, I, I know. I know, the sprites are gigantic. That,
1: I even I knew know. this. Is, even before I was an uh, animation snob, which for those who follow the show no, I didn't become an animation snob until X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Even I knew around the age of 9 or mm-hmm. 10 that China Warrior just didn't move. <laughs> Seriously, it just was choppy and clunky. Right. Yeah.
2: Um. You know, I, look, I, I even had Power Golf on my list of expectations, but we don't need Power Golf. Uh, Psychosis is a pretty average shooter. We don't need that. But, like, the impressive thing about this list for me, and it's not perfect. There are absolutely games missing. Magical Chase is a huge, huge one. Like, Magical Chase would have been an amazing addition to this console in terms of getting games that, you know are very, very costly at this point. But what the the TurboGrafx-16 Mini needed to be, and what it kind of is, is a game for the more hardcore players. Mm-hmm. Like the collectors, not necessarily the collectors, but the people who wish they were collectors, people who had a TG-16 as a child and and missed out on some of these really niche and now very expensive, great games. The people coming into the system... For the first time now, who there's no way they could afford to get this kind of library, you know, Sapphire alone, like I said, you're paying over a thousand dollars for that game by itself.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and you I-
2: know. And then you've got some of these other titles too that would cost you, like Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood, you can get it onto the platforms, but if you want the TG16 version, that's not cheap at this point, right? Um, said they, they actually, I'm impressed with how many niche weirdo choices they put on here the super graphic stuff super graphic stuff is crazy to me Mm -hmm. like you know they don't have everything but they have two of the biggest games you could have asked for from super yeah
1: the only other good super graphics game i think there were six games released if i'm not mistaken yeah i think it's something like that uh the only other good one was the 1943 they got on there i believe mm. or uh, and I, the only reason i have firsthand experience playing that is years ago i had a really good emulator and i played that one and that was uh I think was, was that good. was that
2: the kai yeah Which yeah one? yeah
1: yeah yeah no i'm sorry
2: counter attack so yeah it, it was no i'm sorry uh, you're wrong there were five games
1: well it was six was the asterisk wasn't it darius alpha the melon that could get okay. beefed up on there
2: i'm sorry you 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 have me beat you are right <laughs> <laughs> uh well, okay okay well it was a standard piece game that got some enhancements on yeah, the Super yeah games. it's like yeah,
1: we, yeah we're splitting yeah. hairs here but the but right. the two but for the most part it's heralded for that aldenis or however you pronounce it and uh their version of uh ghouls and ghosts yeah yeah
2: so i mean so you're we're getting like a lot of the big hit like i said i i know there's a few games missing i know and oh, I'm sorry. Devil's Crush another another big one that we don't have. Oh yeah. So I know there's some big games missing, but like I said, there's some there's some shocking choices here. Um, and and uh, the Konami thing too, right? It's Konami's doing it, so of course their games are gonna be on here, you know. And I think it's a little bit lazy to put Snatcher on here untranslated, because that is a huge cock tease, you know. But
1: <laughs> well, it's tough. Let's well, t- so realistically. So here's the thing, I there is no way that they would have put English on there because you would have to go back into that game into the code and because the, okay. So snatcher was only legally translated for Sega CD. Right. And I'm sure there's some emulators or nerds out there that have gone in through PC, various PC emulation and injected like some translation patch. But that one really got me because I'm like they would there's no way Konami was spending a dime for that type of work so at the end of but the I mean, day But I mean but I mean okay it, if
2: they were going to if they were going to spend money on any part of this like wouldn't that be the one thing to spend it on
1: Short answer yes and I'm not I'm not a technical guru but I would also think it would be very tough to do because in translating it Because it's so old and the type of the interface and graphics it used then 30 years ago versus now. Okay, I'm going to give you... You probably haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to... The best way I can describe it. We were just talking about collection of mana earlier, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you play Trials of Mana, and this is not a complaint. Everything is fine. You know, you'd look... Everything is the Super Nintendo classic 16-bit sprite work. Like when you look at the... The hit points and magic points on screen, it's all the Mm -hmm. old school, you know, the chunkier, you know, because of the lower resolution, it Mm -hmm. has that, it's that text and fonts from 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. right? But when you're talking, when the dialogue box comes up on screen, which is the correct dialogue box, you can tell that the text inserted into that box is utilizing modern day technique because it's a cleaner modern resolution inside the box, does that make sense? yeah, yeah. so there is no back on the snatcher thing um and i' I'm, I'm with you because i 'm not trying to argue i'm with you because you you're right like i don't know what it would cost, but if it cost them x amount of dollars that's going to cause people to go out definitely if they 're on the fence to buy it, even if only for collection purposes. But they would have to go back. It would be so... um, It would be a lot of work. And we know Konami's not looking to...
2: Yeah, I just... I feel like that would be like... That's like a holy grail title. You know, I mean, that's just like... Snatcher is is so legendary. Kojima's super hot again right now. You know, that game only came out over here on the Sega CD. And getting a Sega CD copy is next to impossible at this point. Unless you're spending hundreds of dollars. So like if there was just one place that they could put that extra bit of effort in, like it would have been Snatcher.
1: Well, and I'll say too real quick on the collection of Mono thing, when it boots up, guess what company logo comes up? Guess what name? Hmm. M2. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. And, and, and the, that's why I brought that up again. And the missed opportunity, um, nothing to do with the mini consoles. I thought time and place. I thought the time to bring Snatcher back was for 3DS because of like because of mm. the whole not craze but like Vita had so many visual novels and the like and you know Switch has mm-hmm. them now and but 3DS's interface I thought lent perfectly to that and even if they wanted to dig out police knots which would have been a miracle um, I think that was the time during the 3DS's peak you know I would also you know what the argument I would make Snatcher, and it wouldn't have made sense because. But Snatcher would have been better suited as a surprise on the Genesis Mini
0: because yeah. you would have
1: had. Because now you would have had a game that was officially translated, and you figured they. I'm sure it's more complicated than this. They could have just dumped it. You wouldn't have had as many issues in trying to inject that into the code and whatnot for the Turbo Graphics version. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I guess it would be weird to have one singular Sega CD game on there. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, I, you know, I, I think it's the most opportunity, like, I just... I think it's just worse, the fact that, like, since they're only making one version of this technically... I mean, they, they, okay, that's not completely true, because there are a, a couple of games different. You know, like, the American version, the one getting Salamander. Um... Butterhouse crossed out.
1: Um I saw that too. I think it might be the I I was it took me five minutes to figure that out. That may be the core graphics, maybe not getting it in Europe.
2: Oh yeah, because yeah yeah. Oh I'm sorry, am PC. I couldn't i f- I couldn't figure it's that out. I couldn't figure yeah. that
1: out. Yeah, it's yeah. confused.
2: Because um, like the, initially it was gonna be that the the American version got salamander, the PC Engine version, Japanese version gets Tokimaki Memorial. Uh but there's now like Tengai Makio that I don't think it's going to be on the American PG-16. So there were a few differences, but I mean, because they're basically the same, it just puts it in a really weird place where they're like, here, half snatcher. You can't
1: read it. You know, it's just, I don't know. It is very, I agree. It's, it's, it's odd.
2: And, and the fact that like when they announced this, that it was going to end up being like almost a year until the system comes out. Mm -hmm. Like i like with all that time like what are they doing with all that time well so maybe I, yeah. couldn't they potentially be working on a translation for it I don't know yeah but as that one, team, as one, that's like, not just a surprise. small
1: team I mean obviously you'd have someone come in they'd have to hire someone in, but I'm telling you the amount of work that would have to go into that I know and then I know we're even getting two things also not to be uh, difficult but the piece engine version. Oh, you know, I'm confusing it with MSX. I was going to say it's not really the best version. The be- Arguably, even though it doesn't have the most color and doesn't have certain enhancements from the Saturn and PlayStation version, I think to this day the best version overall due to the lack of censorship and the complete package. I think the Sega CD version is considered the best version of Snatcher.
2: It, it, it might be. It
1: gets very confusing because the PlayStation and Saturn got versions which look pretty and were upgraded, but I don't think they have all of the uh, blood and gore, as crazy as that sounds.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's convoluted. But but here's the deal. Nonetheless, even just to have, even if you chop that game out, you know, 40, what, almost 50 games. Um. On the TG sixteen mini, it's it's not a bad deal.
2: Yeah, and I think like for me, you know, the Genesis mini is in one place. i I know I've talked about this already, but you know, having the analog Mega SG, like the the mini, the Genesis mini could, for me can just be a novelty, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's whatever. Um, I'll, I'll, I I ordered the Japanese version. I ordered the accessory kit with the the little Mega CD and the thirty two X and everything. You know, so I'll have those and they'll be neat. But, like, this TurboGrafx Mini, I'm really hoping it's easy to hack because, like, it could potentially <laughs> be my actual way to play TurboGames right. since, I, since I had to sell my entire collection off years ago. Um, and I guess the concern that people are having is, you know, M2 is good that they're the ones doing it. But the problem with M2 is they tend to kind of tweak things at times specific to certain games so there is a little bit of concern about with genesis mini and the turbo graphics mini both is how easy will these be to get new games onto
0: hmm.
2: you know that's gonna be a big question right um and just so everybody knows if you if you do want to get one of these uh, the official there there is official controllers and there is official turbo tap for five players um are both made by HORI. So if you see the HORI versions, those are the official versions. There is no like quote-unquote official TurboGrafx versions. Uh, The TurboGrafx 16 mini is is currently available for pre-order on Amazon.com. If you go to Amazon.co.jp, let me check this is actually where I ordered mine from because um, it was really weird because like when they opened pre-orders it was during the Amazon Prime day. Right. And only Amazon Prime members could pre-order it so I did like a kind of a just a trial thing. So you can order the Japanese version uh but the prices currently are a bit more than I think you're supposed to be paying. Because let me check what I, what I paid for mine. So let's see. Um yeah because i paid ten thousand six hundred ninety-four yen for for mine and currently they're about 10 10 bucks more expensive so so, and does it ship to the west uh yeah so so you know if you really want the japanese version like i said the games are gonna be the same so it doesn't hugely matter but if you really want the japanese version you can go on amazon japan and pre-order the japanese version and they will ship to america because th- there were there were certain versions that wouldn't ship over here but the one currently up will mm. so yeah like i said i'm i'm super excited for it but i am i am kind of excited in the way that i hope it can be a full-on turbo replacement you know they can put more games onto it right because it'd be mean- really nice to have that be my main way to play these games because because at this, at, at this point getting into pc engine collecting or turbo graphics collecting is ridiculously absolutely
1: expensive. yeah i mean when i watch like the hard off videos or Akihabara mm-hmm. shopping and stuff on youtube i always like looking at the pc engine duo setups and all that and but you know it's like one thing it's one thing getting the system and whatnot but then it's another getting all the games and you know i need that like i need another hole in my head plus it's challenging for me with the ones i have on ps3 while it's not a lot you know i have a lot of the biggies but i'm with you on this like if i were to ever get a tg mini like a pc engine mini in the future i mean it's got enough stuff on there where that pretty much covers all bases you know
2: yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as costly as Neo Geo collecting, but it is one of those, like... Oh,
0: God, please. It is
2: one of those, like, you have to be ready to spend a whole lot of money, and unlike the Neo side, like, TurboGrafx games aren't everywhere. So it's tough, because they're costly, right? and you can't just go into any platform and purchase them like you can you know, Neo, Geo, Neo Geo games.
0: So. Hmm.
1: Well, um... I don't think I've got too much else. Uh, I think like we were saying earlier here as we wrap up Generic Video Game Podcast 37, once again, want to thank the fans. Want to thank you if you you know, check us out in iTunes. Type in Morning Radio. Um, Check us out. I haven't done it in so long. Radio.morningproject.com. Find me on Twitter at 24BitAJE, the number two, the number four, B-I-T-A-J-E. Find... Molly at Molly Pen, M O L L I P E N. And also do a little uh, plug. Uh, check out the newly redesigned, focused EGM It's pretty awesome. I'm not just saying that. Checked it out uh, within the last couple of weeks. They have some great new content and unique articles to that site. So, uh, with that being said, want to thank you for joining us for Generic Video Game Podcast, episode 37 here as we approach fall. Hope everyone's summer's been going great and been trying to stay cool. And uh, we will try to be back soon with a special DLC episode and episode 38 in the near future. So with that, on behalf of Molly and myself, Anthony, want to wish everyone a great night and we'll catch you soon.